hail our fair Riverdale. Register. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Riverdale Register. My name is John. My name is Caitlin. And welcome to the Riverdale Register. I should have said that part if we really wanted to complete yeah. the... I just wanted to keep you on your toes, <laughs> honestly. I just wanted to know if you were paying attention still. I How could I ever forget? Yeah. With this show, you gotta pay attention. Otherwise, next thing you know, Archie's got another scar. You don't know how he got it. Yeah. I don't really understand how... People can suffer so many bruises to the face and, like, not need rhinoplasty. Who, I don't understand how someone would be like, yeah, I'll fight 11 guys in one night. This will definitely work. I just feel like Archie wants to be... I don't know if, like, Katie Rapa just decided that boxing was going to be his new thing <laughs> and everyone was just very supportive. I mean, I, I do support it because it feels like Katie Rapa is much better as a physical actor than anything else. Yeah. So just, like, give him action scenes and stuff. He'll have a, he'll, he'll, he'll do some yeah. kind of action movie eventually. Might not yeah. work. Remember that time Taylor Lautner was like, I'm going to be an action star. Thank God he's now an Oscar winning actor, so <laughs> it's fine. I'm kidding. Actually, Taylor Lautner, you know what? Like, you deserve nice things. I'm sorry that the world's not giving it to you. <laughs> Scream Queen season two is not the nicest Go and take thing, it from the world. I know. I think it's hard, though, when you're kind of pigeonholed as like a, as like a cutesy, not a cutesy, like a sexy sex symbol in a teen movie or whatever. I think it's hard to transition. I think that's why a lot of people don't. It's, I think it's easier to be like the weirdo. You yeah. Know, the weirdo, the comedy guy. And then you can turn that guy into the sexy guy. Yeah. But you can't take the sexy guy and like give them more dimensions. I know, which is really sexist and unfair. Hey, do you want to read some iTunes reviews? We got like two of them. Yes. All so right. I will read one and you will read the other one. That is correct. That is how it works. Do you want to do the short one or the long one? I want to do the short one. Okay. <laughs> because I have questions about the, the long one. <laughs> Okay, this one says Riverdale, five stars, from 3KU127, uh, March 10th, 2019. <laughs> hey, guys, love the show. Heart emoji, heart emoji. Yeah. Thank you, 3KU. Pretty straightforward. Uh, the, oh, wait, we got that one that the person tweeted at us. I'll go pull that, that up too? while you go read All that right. one. Uh, next one is Cut That Part Out, a five-star review from Hayes, 1013. Started listening to this podcast when I was pregnant and trapped in the house full-time for the last two months. It keeps me thoroughly entertained. The tangents, the Lily Reinhardt impressions, and off-the-wall theories included. I think it's hilarious Hilarious when one of the hosts is convinced of something and the other is like, nah, you're wrong, that didn't happen. <laughs> I also look forward to at least once an episode of Caitlin saying, you can cut that whole part out. John and Caitlin are hilarious together. Their Riverdale conversations remind me of the group chat I have with a few of my friends after the show. Side note, I also love, I also called Cheryl and Tony and everyone thought I was insane. See, there we go. Here's my question. When I say cut that part out, are you not cutting that part out? Uh. Because you know I don't listen to the podcast? How bad is it? I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. Tell you what, we'll, we'll just cut this whole part out. Uh, no, John, don't you dare cut this whole part out. I'm very I swear. Now. If they're hearing you say cut that part out, it's always stuff where it was like in jest. Okay. And it was like this Cut this part out. Okay. But That's fine. There That's are, fine. to the fans, there are many things that have been cut out. Cool. They don't know like my home address. Right, right, right. No. Right. That's weird. I keep getting this mail. It's oh. so scary. <laughs> anyway. So this one comes from, I believe it's the UK, but I'm not positive. It is a rating and review. Um... From Bell 101 
Um, it's from November, actually, and it says, This is by far one of my favorite podcasts. You guys offer great commentary and analysis on the show and keep it lighthearted. Love that you recognize the craziness of the, po- the plot and bring up details that I would have completely forgotten about. Haha. I live in um, Langley, British Columbia, so I'm assuming that's it's Canada. Canada. Unless... Unless I'm, I think it's Canada. British Columbia is Canada. It's Canada. Right next to, cut that part out. Right, right next to the studio that Riverdale uses. Okay, it's Canada. I accidentally found it when I noticed the pop sign as I was driving by the parking lot of the studio. I love this show because it's close to home and you guys make watching it even better. Always looking forward to it after I finish the episode. Keep up the Betty impressions. They're hilarious and spot on. Love you both. And we love you, Canadian friend. Yeah, thank you very much. I love that. Uh, that thank must be you. crazy, accidentally driving by Pops. My God, accidentally? Yeah. Oh my God, we should just go. We should go. We, we, really we should actually go. should we do should a British do Columbia that. trip. That would be really fun. That would be that would be a great idea for the two of us. That would be so fun. Dang, dang it, we got to make this happen now. Maybe when it's like warmer though, and not cold. Sure, okay. sure, sure. When it's like too hot here, we yeah, can escape then to there. that would be really nice. Mm-hmm. It's okay, a great putting idea. Putting that on the list. Have you ever accidentally driven by the um, the superstore set over in yes, Burbank? Yes, the, the Cloud Nine. Yeah, and I'm the first time I saw that, I was like, "Oh, it's real." Oh no, that's the set. No, I know it's always weird. What is the other thing that I drive by sometimes? Oh, the American Horror Story house. It's not an accident when I drive by it, but um, I went I went around that once, mm-hmm. um, not knowing it was there. I was like, "There's an event next door." It was like a haunt, not a haunted house thing. It was an immersive theater experience that I highly recommend called The Willows. It was right next door to the American Horror Story house, but they don't tell you that. And when you go, the first time we went, we got into a van and they blindfolded us, so we didn't know where the location was. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, like when you get when you leave the house, you like are like, wait, what? That's the fucking American Horror Story murder house, and yeah. it was really cool. So yeah, I love that kind of stuff. It's really cool. Yeah. Anyway, Rivendell. Riverdale. Cool. Rivendell. Uh... Rivendale. So, tell me all about the title to this episode of Riverdale. I will. So, this is American Dreams. Uh, It is an American television drama program broadcast on the NBC television network from 2002 to 2005. By the way, guys, this is from Wikipedia. But... Could you tell? Can you tell? So, if you guys have ever heard of Dick Clark's American Bandstand, which is kind of reference... um, (coughs) Sort of kind of in the movie Hairspray, for example. It's the kids dancing and... And I don't really... It's not a show that I would ever watch, personally, like, by choice. Man, it felt like uh, back in that time period, entertainment was, like, really simple. Really simple. Just we got some teens dancing on TV. You're, you're not dancing. Other people are dancing. Other people are dancing. And you're watching it happen. Yeah, yeah. So that was fun. Um, and so it features, like, performers, like, variety show, I guess, type things. Um, and what's a fun fact about this is that the show starred... Brittany Snow, um, and then the movie Hairspray, which is again kind of similar, also stars Brittany Snow, and I love Brittany Snow, and I'm very excited for her new uh, movie coming out on Netflix called Someone Great. I'm very hyped for that. Oh, I didn't know she had one. It's like a romantic comedy sort of with um, Dewanda Wise and Gina Rodriguez. Oh, that's cool. Um, and Lakeith Stanfield. Oh, dang. Yeah, that's a it's going to be, it's a really good cast. Man, I haven't seen Brittany Snow since she was on uh, Crazy Ass Girlfriend for a couple episodes. Oh, that was so good. Research Me Obsessively. Yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> was, that was actually one of my favorite songs that they did because it's very relatable. <laughs> yeah. Very relatable. We've all been there. I've always stalked Brittany Snow's Instagram. Yeah, so. we've all we've all stalked Brittany Snow. It's very specific. I'm sorry, guys. Still, it's just, it's not me, I promise. And I, I want to say this because when I talk and she eats, then I know that 
they know I'm not eating. <laughs> I get so upset. Because I did that one This time. has never been about making up for your dog themselves and making sure they know it's not you. They know. Stella can do what she wants. I don't care if you guys don't like it. <laughs> Kidding. Like, if we I wanted care. to silence the dog, we could get her, we could get her wet food. No, that'd be so much worse. It'd be worse. That'd be so much. Think about it. Think about what that would sound like. You don't want to think about it because it would be disgusting. Oh God, she's right here. She's hey. right here. So we weren't talking about you. Uh, this episode was written by Roberto. That would explain why it felt a little bit stronger than some episodes recently. And um, why Cheryl got to be totally crazy pants. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of thoughts about Cheryl in this episode. <laughs> yeah, you do. Okay, that's great. Uh, this episode was directed by Gabriel Cor- Correa. C-O-R-R-E-A. Uh, so, like, Correa? I think this is really cool. So, Gabriel has three directing credits. One for a short called The Ambassador, one for this episode of Riverdale, and one for a short that, they, that uh, they seem to have not released yet called Beautiful Gun. Three directing credits. But... Gabriel has a long list of second unit directing credits on Riverdale and shows like Supernatural and Beyond and the Twilight Saga movies. So this, this is like this guy who's been like working around the place doing all kinds of little side, uh, second unit assistant directing positions. For like 10 years. Finally getting a chance to direct a TV show. And I hope the best. I hope Gabriel gets to direct more TV shows. This episode was solid. You yeah, know? really. They did well. I mean, honestly, Gabriel did a great job with a sex scene and a fight scene. We stan. <laughs> Good for you. Hashtag we stan. Assistant directors, being assistant director is a rough job. Oh, yeah. Like, it's the hardest job. Legitimately, I think, assistant directors have a shorter lifespan than other jobs. I know. Because it's so stressful. They are the people who yell when the director wants to get everyone's attention for stuff. They're the ones who yell that everyone needs to shut up. And needs, it keeps the whole thing on task. It's a hard job. I hardcore respect my friends who AD. Yeah. They're Shout awesome. Shout out to Haley and Bennett. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Haley and Bennett. They're so good. So great for, great for Gabriel. Love you. Don't yeah. know you. We could be friends. Let's go. Let's go get drinks. Yeah, Gabriel. What are you doing? Um, yeah. So that's my dog. She's looking now. I'm sorry. Uh, Caitlin, where would you like to begin? Jughead and Betty's stuff. Mostly Jughead. A little bit of Betty. Archie's, Cheryl's, or Veronica's. Oh man, this is so hard. I kind of want to just get Archie's out of the way because I don't care as much about that. Okay. Because I don't get it. Again, like not that I don't get it, but I don't get it. Why is he? Why is he and Hiram best friends? Because uh, they did crimes together, and they, and and then they, they both agreed they weren't gonna <laughs> kill each other. Except, and he's not dating Hiram's daughter anymore. I think this really like makes the theory clear that Hiram is in fact in love with Archie, and just has an even more problematic way of dealing with it than Cheryl does. Yeah, he's got some rough. Uh, he's got some issues to work through. We don't trust. So Archie uh, grabs breakfast with Betty and Jughead. Basically, they're they're trying to figure out a way to uh, save him from all the people who are probably going to try to murder him. But here's the thing: if you want to kill Archie, it's not that hard. It is funny that, like in this episode, the uh, what the kids of the comic store like it's a high level quest. Nah. It's not that difficult to kill Archie. It's really not that difficult to kill anyone if you're trying hard enough. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that you should. I'm just saying it's not that hard. If you clearly don't care about um, consequences, 
which it doesn't really seem like anyone in Riverdale ever cares about. <laughs> they find out, they, they basically, they put together the two Kill the Red Paladin cards. Same cardstock. I guess those don't come with the G&G manual. Uh, Very confused. Yeah. Um, G&G is cards, pretty probably. underdeveloped, because, like, if there's an official book, but it was written by crazy kids, who makes the cards? Why is it on cards? Why is it on professional card stock? And does this have anything to do with the card guy that Hiram was talking to last week? Well, here's just a quick theory. This is not a rumor mill theory. This is just a theory. Are we going to find out that the person who is the Gargoyle King <laughs> is the one making the professional booklets, is the one distributing all of them, and I should, is somebody we know? I should think so. Right? That yeah. would be the only thing that would make it's sense. It's interesting that no element of tracking this down brought them to any local printing presses. Which would have like been Like, they never idea. thought to, like, check that. Yeah, they should check that. <laughs> they should look into it, they right? They should, absolutely. Uh, Weird. Okay. So, <laughs> what is it? Jughead and Betty are like, oh, where could these be coming from? And Archie's like, well, I got an idea. And he goes checking with Hiram. Hiram's like, how have you been, Archie? Oh, pretty good, except for the kid who tried to stab me in my house. <laughs> and he was like, oh, did he break in? So he's very concerned. <laughs> like, nah, I... I let him in. We were playing video games a little that's, before that. Yeah, that's uh, the other it was actually thing. a pretty good night until he tried to stab me. <laughs> then Archie has to explain how he how he actually befriended this child for days. <laughs> so anyway, Hiram, previously on Riverdale. Uh, Hiram admits that he started the quest. He made he printed 12, <laughs> 12 cards to kill Archie, and they've gotten two of them back. So there's ten still out there. And at <laughs> Archie's, Archie's like totally chill with his like, nah, I get it. It's all right. We're good now. It's really weird how chill he is with him. It's really weird. Yeah. It makes really very little sense. It's post-ascension. This is post-ascension Archie. It's Vlad, so he's cool with it. Why is Hiram still on the show? He's no longer really a villain. Right, now he's just another dad. Honestly, all the dads are really shitty except for FP and, of course, Fred. Tom Keller. He's the Gargoyle King. Like, we're getting right. I forgot about that part. There's no way he's not at this point. So Hiram explains drug dens in a very strange way. He tells Archie, there are several hot spots in town where like-minded individuals can gather and have fizzle rocks and play G&G. So I think that I was thinking about this, and I think that the Fizzle Rocks thing, in addition to just being like a zany Riverdale thing, I think that there is probably something on the CW's standards of practices um, where you might not be able to like really, really go into drugs. Like this might be, I was thinking about this, I think that part of the whimsical nature of these drugs is because it's not on brand for, for them to go super hardcore into druggy stuff. There was just an episode of Supergirl where these drug dealer kids selling normal drugs. Normal drugs? Fizzle they were rocks? like they were like tainted by an alien thing and they turned people into like hulking monsters. Okay, stuff. but to be fair, that isn't like a whimsical drug situation. Right. But I also just think it's it's just Riverdale being Riverdale. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just it just seems like they do it, maybe not as standards and practices thing, but maybe it's like just tonally they don't ever want to I think that they got really close with the heroin and the maple syrup. Yeah. I felt like season one was kind of a different game, though. It was. It, it was really, definitely a different game. It was definitely a lot darker. It, it got sillier in season two. It shouldn't have. Uh, I, 
Yeah. I still long for season one. When it was very dark. It just just felt cohesive. It did feel cohesive. And it was also very realistically... Not real. It was certainly not realistic. But it felt much more grounded in um, noir as opposed to everything. Like a mixed bag of tone in some ways. Yeah. And we can go on about bad decisions made in season two. Yeah. For example... Jughead's a loner character. Why did we make him a leader? Fair. Because uh, he's, he's a weirdo. Yeah, he's weird. He's a weirdo. <laughs> you ever seen him without that hat? It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. But so What's Archie doing, though? <laughs> uh, so, Archie, Betty, and Jughead stop by the comic book shop to, to find out about these cards... I feel I feel misrepresented in this scene. Yeah, I feel, like I feel you're, personally attacked. I feel like you're pretty represented. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, it, it could it's spitting image of you. There's been a comic book shop in this town the entire time, yeah, and they didn't they check to check there earlier about the G and G stuff. There's like a million places to make drugs when you want to. This so. town is so much bigger than I thought it was there's when the show south started. Side and there's everything else. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So the nerds yell at them for interrupting. And they're like, hey, what about this card thing? And they're like, oh, that's a high-level quest. But, like, yeah, they're around. People are going to try to kill you, man. Why would everybody... That doesn't make sense. Like, we just it, we just really like this game. That's the thing that I'm very confused about. Like, why, why would you... I just don't realistically think there are ten people who would actually try to kill Archie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, I don't think Archie needs to be well, yeah. afraid. And, and we see later in the episode, nine of them are just nobodies. Yeah. So, like, Well, I, I think that cool. the, the boxing thing kind of makes sense because it drew people out who probably wouldn't have killed him but would have tried to fight him. I guess, but... They weren't trying to kill him in the boxing ring. Like, you could have you figured out a couple characters who were, like, people we recognized and done a couple episodes out of this and had some fun. <laughs> Tony Tobaz is like, I really, I'm into Well, I mean, this. you could have brought the guard back. Uh, he, he's back. Yeah, you could have had uh, Kurtz be one of the guys. I'm not sure what Kurtz's place is in this whole scenario. Anymore. I mean, he's a wild card. Uh, he's a wild card. Or you could have had, you could even, God forbid, bring back uh, Chick. I would love that. You know that uh, Chick and, uh, like, in real life, Lily Reinhardt and Hart Tendon are, like, best friends? That checks out. Yeah, it's cute. That's fine. Yeah, I love it. Listen, I'm sure Hart Denton's a nice guy. Seems nice. Nothing about that season was his fault. Right. No. But holy crap. I hate that <laughs> character. Aw, Chick. Chickity. Uh, we're getting... Okay. Uh, so, Archie, Betty, and Jughead figure out a plan, which is, apparently, this whole time... Uh, you could modify uh, G&G missions. Mm-hmm. As long as you can convince people it came from the Gargoyle King. Which is not that hard, apparently. Right. So, their plan... And I don't know why none of them are like, Hiram, you have to help us with this, but whatever. <laughs> their plan is to amend the rules so that it has to happen in one night, in one location... Archie will be there. They have to try to fight him. Okay. And if they lose, that's it. It's done. Why not make a separate mission 
called Protect the Red Paladin. Right, right. <laughs> or just don't kill Archie, Car. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. And what then you could get nerds protecting him also. What if they just had hand out loose leaf paper with, like, like save Archie? Stop it. <laughs> don't do this anymore. You're so extra. Get it's, off the fizzle rocks. I, it's it feels like like their plan is just based off. Hey, when we were kids, Archie was pretty good at uh, like yeah, defend athletic. the hill or whatever. King of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. Which I've never played. No, I don't really know what they're defending. But I do love any scene where those three are like, we were kids, we grew up together. Yeah. And now we're like in the rest this hellhole of a This is my thing. When Roberto writes episodes, characters remember that they've known each other a long time. Yeah. And when other people write episodes, it can often just feel like, oh no, you're not a friend, you're just a business contact. Right. That's why, like, uh, <laughs> and Veronica like, have weird scenes. Right, like, right. They def- they're not friends. They're not friends. They don't like each other. Not as much as Kevin and Which is why I want to see an episode where, where Veronica and Jughead are like locked in a room all night together. No, I want to see Jughead and Kevin locked in a room all night. Oh, good. It's I Kevin. I just want to see Kevin. Kevin gets one scene this week. Yes, but Kevin looks good. Did you, did you know, like, his haircut looked great? He looks great. Yeah, I don't know what was going on. Uh, Post-breakup haircut. Maybe right he's now. just, like, really well-rested. So, yeah, because he's not in Because he doesn't have that many scenes to do. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jughead looks tired all the time. Yeah, that's not Jughead's fault. So, Archie asks Hiram to provide a location for the Red Paladin Challenge. And Hiram happens to have a boxing gym down by the docks. Don't we already have a boxing gym? <laughs> I didn't get this. I was really confused. I thought Archie would be like, cool, I belong to that boxing gym, actually. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's a different it's boxing a separate, gym. I have a theory. There's so many boxing gyms. At Why? First, at first while watching the episode, we thought it might be the same boxing gym, but made to look crappier. But I have a theory that behind the scenes, they were going to an actual gym to use oh. their boxing gym. And maybe someone was like, this is really expensive. Why don't we build our own boxing gym set? Yeah. So they did that, and then they just kind of um, did this episode to, to, to set it up in the show. I hope it's not going to take Archie a lot of time and effort to get out of that boxing gym contract. To be, to be, to be, yeah, right. Well, I want to uh, quit the gym. He just, he just has to stop sweeping up the floor, right? Right. But at the same time, like, you didn't have to. You could just build the set and ask us all to buy into the fact that it's the same place. It's the same place. It's just, it's just a different angle. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. So, uh, Archie, Betty, and Jughead wait at the gym that night, and, like, nine people in strange outfits walk in. Yeah. They all look like superheroes. One of them literally looks like Green Arrow. I thought that that was on purpose. I'm yeah, I think sure that was on purpose. Pr- I think they, they raided some of, the, some of those guys' yeah. uh, costumes. I think it was, like, a nod and a wink, because mm-hmm. they're all Greg Berlanti. So, I guess it's, because, like, like, the, you know, all the parents dressed up in weird outfits, and they played the game in real life as kids, too. So, that's why all these guys are dressed up it is strange how many very fit people and all men are playing g and g yeah to, to all, win to so kill archie they're all on fizzle rocks is that what we're supposed to assume uh they're all at least so bought into the game that they take it what do they what do they call it in like that episode take it take it to the real world yeah so like yeah maybe they're on drugs but they're at least just like they think G and G is like legit. All due like, respect, there is they're gonna ascend. There's no way this is that fun. What do you mean? You don't want to dress up with your friends and like go to a go to a go to a go to a boxing gym down by the docks and like fight a teenager? Let me clarify. That's a great night. There is no way that playing G and G in the initial in the initial first days of it 
would make you want to murder a teenager. Hey, what are you doing next weekend? Do you want to do D&D one night? <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. I don't know. I don't want to murder any teenagers. You know that's my great fear. Come on. None? I do, I do want to play. Okay. All right. So, Jughead welcomes the challengers. They submit their cards. Everyone gets one round with Archie. Three minutes. Ooh. And uh, Archie, every opponent draws blood from Archie. Archie gets tired, but he survives each one until... The scary guard who we fought one time at the at Juvie comes in. Actually, does a big uppercut and beats him too. Not great boxing form, but uh, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna move past that. Why isn't someone just taking like a chair and hitting him over and over and over again? It well because the, those aren't the rules are no weapons. Uh, I guess that's a weapon, right? I thought yeah. it was more like no guns. Well, yeah, <laughs> but like it gun. feels like no one playing G and G uses a gun, right? It's, it's almost a, it's like martial weapons. Game. Then he cheers. Jughead puts a towel around Archie. They've won. They've and won. Yay. Archie thanks Hiram for loaning him the gym, and Hiram's like, ah, keep the gym. So, 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 look, so Archie has a gym now. Hiram is not your friend. I don't I mean, know. You gave him a gym. I don't really... How... The bar must be so... They do this in every teen show, though. I've been... I've been watching a lot of teen shows because that's all I watch. Um, <laughs> because for my entire life, that's what I watch. There is always one character who is like straight up the most villainous person you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. For example, on Wintry Hill, it was Dan Scott. Mm-hmm. Dan Scott sucks. There are so many things that he does, even before the events of the show, that you're like, this guy is not a redeemable person. Yeah. Spoilers for Wintry Hill, but like in season three or four, I forget which... He straight up murders his brother and then blames it on a school <coughs> shooter. Is that the one with the, what you say? No, that oh. is that is the OC. <laughs> oh, shoot. Which you really should confused. watch because I think you would like it. Um, that, that, there is also another unredeemable villain character on that show that gets redeemed. Great. Okay, um, so what happens to Dan Scott? Okay, Dan Scott kills his brother, eventually is tormented by guilt, is, ends up you know, going to jail or some shit like that. I forget what happens. Then he, like, comes back, like, after the flash forward, which is only, like, four years, and he's like, I want to reunite with my family. And then eventually, it takes a long time, but, like, he does get redeemed, and I just feel like you don't come back from that. Like, you just yeah, don't. Yeah, you murder someone? And if it was, like, a one-time thing, and, like, that was, he was a great guy, and, like, it was a moment of, like, vengeance or something and he was like a noble person but like was overcome with like some sort of emotion like okay like we could talk in the context of a tv show but this was like the most extreme of all of the awful things that he has done i don't know anyway Hiram is probably worse than dan scott mm-hmm. he is dan scott on fizzle rocks he is so bad he has murdered people he really, it's very manipulative of everyone around him. If he didn't look so good in a suit, I just don't understand, like, why anybody would pay attention to him. Yeah. Anyway, that's my rant. <laughs> uh, that's the end of, high, of Archie's plot. Good for Archie. Where do you want to jump next? Ooh. I think we should do Jughead last. Okay, so then let's do Veronica. That's fair. Veronica's stuff is very light. Yeah. So over at... Labone Nut. Oh, love that it's catching on. I hope the other podcasts are using it. I hope they are. I, I really hope. Uh, Reggie asks to talk business with Veronica, and that's already distressing. Yeah. 
You don't want our. You don't want Reggie anywhere near your business, <laughs> Stella. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Stella's like, no, I hate, I hate Reggie's business mind. So, Reggie's like, listen, I've had all the jobs. Yeah. I've been your bartender. I've been your your driver. I've been your cohort in crime. We've had sex a couple times. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's Maybe really what arguably saying, yeah. too many jobs. Your concubine, if you can. Can I be your business partner? And I was like, oh, honey. No. 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 Which honestly I think is kind of fair. Yeah. She put all the money on the line. Yeah. He, that that doesn't mean you have business acumen. It means you're a good cop, though, basically. Like. Yeah. yeah. It is kind of gross how Veronica treats him, though. Right. Well, he's not like a, he's not like a real person. No, he's not an equal to her in any way that Mm-mm. she sees. He he's is. not Archie. Which... He's a piece of meat. Yeah, he's like a lesser Archie. <laughs> yeah. Ross Butler, Reggie, he could have been, but... Well, this is a totally different Reggie. It's actually kind of amazingly different. Like from he who talks he was the start? different. He has a New York accent, weirdly. <laughs> I don't even know if Charles Melton is from New York. Did... Did you see that uh, romantic, uh, that like teen romance movie that he was in? I have not seen it yet. I don't think it's out yet, but I have watched the trailer about 600 times. Yeah. And I have his version of Crimson and Clover stuck in my head, and I cry every time I watch the trailer. Okay. It's like, and he's saying like, I don't hardly know her, but I think I could love her. And I'm like, I think so too. Like, yeah, I get that. Like, I feel that. Um, I, I'm really interested to see that movie to see if he is a stronger actor than the show is giving him credit for. I think he's a good actor yeah. from that trailer in the Crimson and Clover karaoke. He sings within the trailer. Okay. I think so. All right. Yeah. Um, so Veronica instead pays Reggie, like, a lot. Like, a starting <laughs> salary, but, like, that's money. It's less <laughs> than right. what he wanted. It's it's less than we wanted, but more than he deserved. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and he's mad about it. He's like, so Veronica sends him home to check his attitude. Yeah, I think this is the end of the Bar- v- veggie relationship. Veggie. Veggie. So next thing we see, uh, uh, next thing we see, Gladys brings Reggie back to Labona. He's like, hey. This guy tried to steal his car back. Yeah. So Veronica's like, I'll pay for FP's birthday. Just, it's all good. It's fine. Um, I love how people are like, yes, I want to have my husband's <coughs> 50th birthday in the speakeasy run. For teenagers. <laughs> run, run by, by teenagers. For teens right. by teens. The secret bar. I want to have a birthday party there. Yeah. And why not? This is not... A secret speakeasy. No, it's speakeasy. There's no such thing anymore. Speakeasies don't exist. So love a good speakeasy. This is not a speakeasy anymore. It's the most popular bar in town. It's the only bar in town. It's the only bar. In she town. yells at Reggie. He lashes out at her. Like I gave you everything. Is I just wanted my everything? car back. Is this is this his everything? Is working at her bar his everything? Maybe. Does I, he have a football thing? I have no evidence to back this up, but I believe he quit football to work at her bar when on the off chance that she might sleep with him. That's so sad. Oh, he lost a football scholarship. Yeah. Oh, and you know his parents can't pay to get him into USC? Oh, man. Absolutely. Oh, I, I mean, his dad... Wait. His dad runs a used car dealership. Can he give him a car? Yeah, he could have gotten a different car. <laughs> totally fine. So, eventually, Reggie is like... Hey, I've been covering up for my real feelings. And the entire... I'm just like, yeah, obviously. Go on. He, uh... 
he doesn't want to be like her booty call or whatever their relationship is right now. He wants to have some real. He wants to matter. That's so sad. And that is she, so sad. She's not really in the space headspace to give him that. So she's like, "Well, uh, here's your car keys. I bought your car back. Bye. Goodbye." Bye. Uh, so yeah, this is an episode where a lot of people break up. I know. I think there's like three breakups. Yeah. Uh, now they don't owe each other anything. Oof. Oof. So, he gone. He uh, gone. So sad, actually. Also, weird thing, but, like, I really like how this episode puts, even though, like, Veronica has her own plot and uh, Jughead has his own plot, they still play parts in other people's plots. Yeah. You know, like they're friends. Like they're friends. Like they all live in the same world. Yeah. That's right. Okay, do you want to do Cheryl next? Yes. All right. So, Cheryl wants to take Tony to Mont Blanc. And I do... Canada. And I want to also do that with her. Yes. Really? I mean, that sounds so fun. Um, we just but, talked about a fun Canadian trip. That's true. That's Canada's true. fun. I think. But I, I wouldn't want to travel with Cheryl because I'd always get worried only Cheryl's coming back from this trip alive. Yes, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Cheryl is not a stable person. Uh, Tony can't go because she had plans with the pretty poisons. And honestly, I kind of give Cheryl some credit for I mean, I, I kind of understand Cheryl's point of view here. Doesn't sound like Cheryl was invited on that trip. 100% does not sound like that. Right. Who are these people? They it don't is, even have names. It's very strange that in this episode, Cheryl and everyone else forgets that Cheryl started the Pretty Poisons. She did. And I understand that she did it for Tony, but she did start this gang and nobody really wants to play with her. It's sad. Cheryl gets super mad. Too and, mad? Yes. Uh, too mad. And Tony's like, well, I have to go to work. And again... Cheryl's a member of the Pretty Poisons that have been hired to protect this place. Cheryl Shouldn't she also be? She doesn't work. She's not a working bee. You gotta support your gang. Man. Yeah, <laughs> Cheryl does not do that. So Cheryl drops by a Bone Nut <clears throat> with scones for Tony. Sure. And she finds Tony performing, uh, singing with Veronica for fun. My favorite thing is I saw in your pop culture moments that call your girlfriend, you labeled it the singer, Robin, a Swedish a Swedish singer. I don't know anything about Robin. You don't know anything about Robin? And that was my whole really? thing for that section, so you can talk about her when we get down oh, there instead. You've never heard of Robin? No, I don't know who Robin is. Oh my god, she's really good. You've never heard that song? No. We have to educate you. <laughs> okay. I know two Robin songs. <gasps> That's two more than I knew before. I and I can't name the second one right now, but I'm surprised. We'll that, get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. I don't understand why this bothers Cheryl so much. I know. You, cho- you, you could have come. The other thing that I think is a little weird is that it's almost like they imply that she's mad either because of the choice of song, like call your girlfriend, like break up your girlfriend. Right. But it all seems like she's mad, like, jealous of Veronica. It which seems like she's make... mad that Tony's having fun without her. Right. Which is not a healthy relationship. No, there's nothing healthy about this relationship right now. No. Yeah, I didn't think that we thought that Cheryl's relationships were going to be particularly healthy, given how she was with her twin brother, but um, this is not how I hoped it would go. Right. So later, uh, Cheryl checks with Nana for Tony. Now, I want to remind you, Nana Blossom is a monster. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for never forgetting. Every time the show's like, oh, she's just a sweet old lady. No, she's Monster. a demon. She Monster woman. She bought a girl to raise to marry her son. And it worked. It successfully worked. Yeah. She also fostered incest babies. Yes. Of a different kind. Right. 
And now she's just crazy. She's too old to care, though. Weird. But she doesn't get a pass, okay? She's a monster. She is a monster. She's basically a child trafficker. apparently Tony had money for rent. Which very much offends Cheryl. Right. Which I feel like that's just a nice thing. I don't know if you feel that way. Like, I feel like I'd be like, hey, I should throw Nana Blossom, the monster, some money so you buy more children. Because Cheryl wants to own Tony. Right. Which is gross. Yeah. If this was a man situation, if this was a situation where Cheryl was a boy, this would be incredibly problematic. Yes. It already is problematic, but it's not... It doesn't seem as problematic because Cheryl is a very hot woman who I still think is very hot. She's so hot. So hot. Especially in this episode. This was a very hot episode. There's there's this moment before the sex scene where she like pulls her hair out of her jacket and lets it down. And I'm like, it's perfect? What the hell? I I really hope it's fake, but it's not. And that makes me mad. So Cheryl wears a hell of a dress, red dress, to Le Bone Nut. Where did she get these gowns? For from the giant walking closet? Oh no, like, wait, they set that on fire. Uh from the second giant walking closet. It's hilarious how much like athletic clothes I wear during like not athletic activities and here these people are like in high school. Right, wearing ball gowns yeah, everywhere. Just like whenever they can. Well it is funny because she walks in and I'm like, okay, but that extra behind you is wearing jeans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Like there's, the the dress code? Nah. There's no dress code at Labona. Kids don't own those kinds of clothes. Veronica, you're being elitist. Yeah, Veronica was elitist from, like, her first episode well, Yeah, because, uh, you know, she's strictly, uh, she's Breakfast at Tiffany's. And the town is strictly in cold strictly blood. Strictly in cold blood. <laughs> and honestly, she's not really wrong about the in cold blood thing, but right. she's definitely wrong about her being Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. Unless you're talking about the part in Breakfast at Tiffany's where she's actually a call girl and everybody thinks she's a society woman, just like everybody thinks that she's a society woman, but her family's actually in the mafia. Even she thought she was a society woman. Yeah, she's very confused. She's never seen Breakfast at Tiffany's again. Tony so. uh, Tony asks Cheryl what she's doing there, as if she has to ask. Um, Stop Cheryl you. can do whatever she wants. Sure. But, like, like you, you you can't be like, what are you doing here? Like, it's a public place. Anyway, Cheryl... It's easy, uh, actually. It's not a public place. Cheryl's place. like, I'm going to gamble. Here, can you, can you, like, buy me a drink? Which Get me a Bellini. Tony's working security. Uh, she doesn't have to buy you a Bellini. A Bellini is a weird nighttime drink. What is it? It's like, okay, you know like mimosas at brunch? Yeah. It's like most people, it's like you can get a mimosa, you can get a Bellini. It's I think a Oh, it's like a, it's like a midday drink? It's like a peach juice and champagne. More oh. of a midday drink. I'm, I'm shocked, genuinely shocked that they haven't tried to be like, there's a signature drink at Le Bon Nut yet. Yeah. Because that feels like right up Veronica's alley. Oh, totally. And then they could just be like, get me like a, a whatever, like whatever they want to call it. I bet it would be minty. Get me an in cold blood. Like. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, a holly go lightly. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. We should make a menu. We should. Well, yeah, We if we, uh, if we like host like a legit party sometime we for like a finale, that. we could do like a drink thing or that something. That actually would be very nice. Yeah. It should only be Bellinis. Bellinis are Only Bellinis. Bellinis are truly delicious. I remember for the first season finale, I made pancakes. <laughs> yeah, that's... Was that a part of... Oh, yeah, because they kind of did... Sort of maple thing. syrup was such a bigger deal yeah, in season one. true. And I, I thought it was Fred was serving pancakes to the serpents. Yeah, 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 that too. But that might have been season two, actually. Brenner is very much the, uh, the, the meal of choice for the show. Mm. So, um, yeah, Cheryl cases the joint... And then later that night, comes back to rob it. It's so smart. But Tony is like, Tony appears. 
She's like, you knew I knew you were casing this spot. spot. It's a weird choice. And Cheryl's like, what are you going to do about it? And um, then they have sex. (laughs) They have like the hottest lesbian (laughs) sex I've seen on TV. And I guess that's what they were going to do about it. It's actually surprisingly, I have to say, what did you you feel about this? Because I have two schools of thought and I'm not sure which one is correct. My first school of thought is, wow, this is incredibly male gazy. Even though I, a woman, am loving this, I understand that this could be cons- like considered pandering to the male viewer. That was my first thought. My second thought was, finally, a same-sex couple getting a sex scene as hot as the hetero couples on the show. Could it be a Venn diagram? And with a lot of overlap, maybe? What do you think? So... I'm not sure where to begin on that. <laughs> You're like, I have so many feelings about it, though. Uh, going into it, I was I, my main feeling was why. Right. Why so is the, the, that? Yeah. Took me out of it a bit. That being said, it was yeah. It, arguably, it was it was male gazy. Yeah. Um, but my sister was in the room with me, and she is she is uh, she's attracted to women. And she she seemed to be she 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 was she she <laughs> and after, she too loved it as well. She was like that was that was pretty good. Um, cool. And at the same time, Madeleine Pesh and uh, Vanessa Morgan Vanessa Morgan are two straight women. Right. Fair. And they they the work they do makes it seem like they really are into this like like this isn't like an act like there's there's passion there and they looks like they're having fun at a bunch of points uh as a straight white man my opinion matters the least uh, when it comes to how well this turned out um yeah i i have to say like i do wish i think that this would be a different conversation, obviously, entirely if this was two men. If it was like Kevin and Moose, who didn't really get as sexy of a sexy. It scene. is interesting that those two did not get a sexy sex yeah. scene. Because I hate to say it, but I think that many men or many women don't mind seeing a like a this kind of scene. But I wonder if they think, oh, well, men are going to be turned off by, it is, you it, know? I don't know. I think there's I a, wouldn't be, obviously, but I'm not, I don't know. There's kind of a culture in TV where it's like, lesbian sex is like, yeah, that's hot. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, two gay men is like, no, gay, no. Which is wild. Um, yeah, Because it's Roberto very is a queer man. Well, I don't think it would ever be, I don't think it's really, truthfully, I don't necessarily think it's on the, on the creators and the writers. I think that it's to, like, to write those scenes. Well, no, but I, you don't know why those scenes are not written. That's fair. You know what I mean? That's fair. Um, but like we, we actually are unsure if Moose and Kevin hooked up, but we, we watched in explicit detail. Right. Uh, these two girls get together. The other thing I have to say in defense of the scene, which again, like, oh my God, like, you know, very hot. But I think that the other thing is a lot of people at the time when, not at the time, but a couple of, maybe a couple of months ago, um, after, for example, like Joaquin kissed Archie, I know that was like a big controversy because they felt like it was very pandering to people like... It was like baiting, right? It was like, yeah, like queer baiting kind of, but 
a lot of people are like, well, why are you doing this when you don't give us any, like, real sexy moments with um, Cheryl and Tony, who are, like, a same-sex couple? Mm-hmm. So I think that this is... Look, I don't think everyone is ever going to be happy with something like this, because I think there's a million different ways to look right. at it. Right, and the bigger your audience is, the more opinions they're going to have. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy that they got a sex scene that was on par with something that, like, Veronica and Archie would get. Yeah. So I can't really be that bad about it. Yeah. So it's my main problem is just why, right? Why are we doing this? Because they immediately follow the scene up with breaking up with each other. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't understand why Tony's like, yeah, I'm going to have sex with you right now. I mean, she looks so good. (laughs) But (laughs) like, what? Well, I didn't think that Tony. There's, there was no sexual tension between them. Like the whole episode until that scene. I didn't actually think that Tony was breaking up with her. I think that she was trying to have a real conversation right, with her. Right, no, Cheryl broke up with Tony. Yeah, though they didn't really explicitly say that. That's also true. I yeah, mean, I did write break up with a question mark. Yeah. It was like... Things don't, things don't seem great with them, like, 100%. Yeah, they kind of returned to Earth, and Tony uh, thinks Cheryl doesn't like that Tony's in charge of the poisons, and Cheryl isn't. I don't a think that's that, it. Again, Cheryl's a member of... And created. I thought they were both running it, but whatever. Um, and But Cheryl makes the point where she's like, I feel like you don't hang out with me that much and you want to hang out with them, and I think that's well, fair. Cheryl could be a part of them. Yes. She chooses now for no reason. Uh, she went from teaching the girls how to shoot archery and like running that joint to like hiding inside, which I guess is the arc they've been running for a while with like... Tony being like, hey, this is my gang, not yours. But that's not how it came through. Yeah. I assume Cheryl was going to take the gang from Tony. Not that she was going to feel insulted and hide away from them. Right. Yeah. Especially when last episode, Cheryl had that whole line about like, well, we need to meet here and at my pool. And you're welcome for all those things. Yeah. It's. It, I think, I think uh, the story they've been trying to run with for Cheryl might have been a little bit muddy reaching up here Mm -hmm. um but i can see the path we took now from this perspective yeah that makes sense uh so tony doesn't like living in thistle house because it's clearly cheryl's space and not hers and also it's definitely haunted very true and there's the you know evil grandmother moving (laughs) around uh and so she kind of regrets moving in so cheryl's like well then you should move out um which was probably a good idea yeah she has a house doesn't she we saw her with that. And house. a grandfather. Yeah. Who isn't a monster. Right. Seems pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, meanwhile, or a few scenes later, Kevin finally appears for his one scene in the episode. Love it. And Cheryl tells him that... Uh, Cheryl's playing croquet. And she tells him that this year's musical will be Heather's. And he's like, no, it's Godspell. And she's like, no, it's, it's Heather's. Heather's. And, <laughs> and like, I'll okay. be Heather Chandler. Which is interesting the that one, she chose that. Right, because she's the one that... Uh, Dies? Dies. Yes. First. But it is, it makes sense for her. Like, if she was to be cast in the real Broadway musical, that would be her role, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is my favorite musical. Heather's. Well, Heather's is my favorite movie, and I love the musical, and I'm really excited. Okay. Yeah. Well, we got one more plot line to get through. One more plot line? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Woo. I'm not boring you too much, John. Oh, oh my no. God. Jughead and Betty. It's a lot of stuff. So. Uh, Jughead's family is all together. It's the day before FP's 50th birthday. He's 49 if anybody wants to Google it, but 
Skeet Ulrich is 49, really. Well, then that's convenient that he's, yeah. he's playing 49 until the last part of this episode. Exactly. I was just curious, and so... And Gladys announces that she's bought them a house. It's Betty's! Betty's house. That is not burned down, because nobody walks past it, walks back a plot beat like Riverdale. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. There's just some light damage. What was the point of that last episode? To show Betty was mad. Yeah. But she's fine, you know? She and Alice are still talking. So... Jughead doesn't want to take Betty's house. He's like, Betty, you can stay here. And Betty's like, you know what? I'm going to stay with Veronica. And I'm like, why? That's the thing. I was like, at least she's like, because I don't really know Jughead's mom and the sister. And I was like, but you know Veronica's parents and it's not You know both of Veronica's parents do crime. Do crime. All the time. (laughs) We do crime all the time. (laughs) We're crime people. (laughs) We're crime people. So, Sure. Alice drops by FP's office, like, oh. hey, what happened to us? And I'm like, yeah, what did happen to you? And it turns out nothing. <clears throat> nothing. They just... And he's like, Gladys is back. We're still married. Like, do you love her? She's the mother of my child. Not an answer. Not an answer, which means no, and you love Alice. But it's over between them. The couple that I believe in... And FP in, seems really sad. He's so sad. He's such a good actor. His emotions on his face all the time. He's doing great. He really is. He's a very good thing. He could really, cut back on saying boy so much. Boy. He could he could ease up on that, but other than that, I love him. So, Jughead talks to Gladys about where she got the money uh, for the Cooper house. It's drugs. And it looks like she's wrapping a Christmas gift, which was very distracting for me. Because I'm like, well, it's a I guess it's a birthday gift. gift, but it is Christmas wrapping paper. Some people don't have different themed paper, John. Some so, people aren't rich because they just bought a house. She says she sold the chop shop in Toledo, and she tells him this beautiful story about how it did her good seeing Jughead and FP. She missed them. She wants to do it all right. She come back to town, get a job at, a, at like a garage up there, live in the house, do the whole thing. It's a do-over. Uh, Gina Gershon really sells it, too. She's great. She's doing great She's work. A great She's a much better villain than Hiram is. Yes, please. Uh, and she can sing. And she asked Jughead to put together a speech for FP's birthday party at Le Bone Nut. They're really going all in on his birthday, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. Well, it's the 50th episode, and it's his 50th birthday. I didn't realize that. You didn't? No, not at all. Of course, that's why. Didn't think about it at all until just now. 50 more episodes from now, it'll be his 100th birthday. Oh my god, every episode he ages one year. Nobody else does, but FP does. Right, For continuity. Yeah. Uh... Meanwhile, at the school, Tom Keller is helping train the serpents to work with the cops. I guess it's cool that he's not bitter, that he's not sheriff anymore, but he's asked to do this stuff. Just make him sheriff. I was thinking, or like a deputy. Yeah, give him a job. Does he have a job? Maybe he's just rolling in that mayor money, which I don't really know how he. You mean the lawyer money? Lawyer money. Well, old mayor money, now new lawyer money. That McCoy money. That McCoy McCoy cash. Yeah. And Jughead's riding with FP, and they have this really, they have another beautiful scene, this reminiscent one. It's like, could you, did you imagine you'd be here by 50? He's like, I thought I'd be dead. These are the kind of scenes the show doesn't do enough, where they're kind of just like, alive. Yeah, just like FP's just grateful to be alive. Like when they feel like people and not characters posing and going through the motions. Right. But that's 
part of Riverdale's fun. It is very heightened. He's proud of his kids. They deserve that house. They deserve that life. And then they get a call, and they go to Pops, where Veronica tells them a Fizzle Rock's junkie get attacked one of her waitresses. Wish we could have seen it. Yeah, right? That would have been cool for Veronica. Uh, Jughead wonders where the Fizzle Rocks came back from, and he's thinking Hiram, and Veronica's face pretty much reads, don't tell him it's his mom. Yeah. I thought that he knew it was his mom the way that he was looking at Veronica, but then I realized that he was looking at Veronica because he thought it was Hiram, and right. Veronica was like, it's actually your mom. <laughs> yeah, who could it be? Right. So she tells Betty it's uh, it's Gladys. And then she's and like, don't tell, don't tell our uh, Jughead. It. And then I'd he's say. like, they're going to tell Jughead right now. Right. So she's like, oh, hey, Jughead, it's your mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's a source. A source told me. I can't yeah. tell you who the source is. It's wrong. So Jughead agrees to look into him. So while he's sending out his guys to like pass around Archie's, uh, Archie's new rules for that fight, he's also like, hey, see if we can find out like who's dealing drugs now. Yeah, please. Thank so you. Like, you know, give it a check. Give it a look-see. Uh, and Sweet Pea and Fangs come back later and like, so we have bad news. And Jughead confronts Gladys about it. And she tells him that she did it because the fan, their family has always, um, been downtrodden, bad luck. They were never going to get to this point through any other means. Okay. <laughs> yeah. She wants to accomplish that American dream. Which is the title but of the to, episode. Yeah, right. So yeah. they got to get the house. They're going to live on Elm Street. They're going to have that beautiful life. And I they're going to get it because she's selling drugs. I mean, the house, to be fair, is the house of somebody who serial murdered a bunch of people. But not enough people at the same time. Right. And she basically tells Jughead he won't tell FP. Not because she's got anything over him, but because it would break FP. He's never been this happy. And like that scene yeah, earlier where he's like, fair. my daughter and you are here and my wife, we're going to live in the house. It is kind of like. Yeah, but then he could be with Alice, who is in a cult. So actually, maybe don't tell him. Yeah, maybe he. don't. Yeah. And just let him be happy and under false pretenses. So we get to the party. Everyone's super cozy. Like everyone's wearing great sweaters. And I know. Like, Betty has a cute outfit with a little yeah, skirt. Gina Gershon's got a really nice top on. It's a whole thing. And like really flowy pants. Everyone looks great. And then a scene happens. That feels surgically designed to break me. Oh, I know. Fred walks in and says the line, F.P. Jones, as I live and breathe. I know, I know, I know. It is the saddest thing. Follows it up with, you don't get many nights like these. Best to soak it up. And then tells F.P. how proud he is of him and how happy he is that they're going to be neighbors. Oh, holy shit. I know. I know. The as I live and breathe, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Because it's almost like he was a character that you, it was like leaked that the it's, character yeah. was going to die. It's, it's, it's like it's weird. It's like they knew when they wrote it. Which is obviously impossible. And No, it's just. Oh. It and was I, I wonder, lot. there's been talk that like for the people doing reviews of the show, there haven't been screeners going out for the past two weeks. There have not. People have been. been wondering if they've been doing some last minute edits to like. My theory is that this scene, had it not been what happened, would have been cut because it is very, it is very not essential. Or was there more Fred and it would have led into this or something. But I'll, Maybe. It, it does feel like this is his first appearance in the episode. Um. 
Yeah, I think this Ooh. was a scene that would have ended up on the cutting room floor otherwise, personally. Ooh, that was, it's painful. Um, yeah. So Glass welcomes Jughead to the stage to give a speech. Jughead gives it and almost reveals the truth about Gladys and then backs off from it. Because FP's so happy. Because FP's so happy. And Jughead's proud of him. And then afterwards, Betty kind of talks to him. He's like, so what are you going to do now? He's like, I'm going to save Jellybean, protect my dad, and run my mom out of town. And they both, and he's like, want to help? And I'm like, oh yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Yep. Yep. They're just wreaking havoc all over. It's kind of awesome. It is awesome. So that's the episode, right? That's the end of the episode, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what do we do now? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you want to give us some superlatives? Okay, prom queen. Cheryl. Just kidding. (laughs) Oh, God. Who is it, though? Tony, maybe, for, like, standing up for her beliefs and not... Maybe that? I guess. Yeah. There's no one else it really could be. Yeah, yeah. let's go to Tony. Prom King. Jughead? Jughead for organizing things and being right. a good Right. I guess he technically saved Archie's life. Yeah, and also he made... You know, he, he has a plan in the works to stop Gladys, but didn't ruin FP's birthday. Right, party. right. Yeah. And who would we throw under the bus? Cheryl? Yeah. She sucked. Sounds fair. Yeah. I'm hoping that Cheryl gets redeemed by the end of this season. Or I hope she goes straight burning flame villain. Yeah, I love her to just be a villain. Yeah. Um, it like although that might be like that. a little bit like, oh no, evil lesbian trope, you know? Yeah. But I want to, I, I still want to see Veronica as straight villain. Like, yeah. I think that would be cool. I don't think that the show would ever make any of the main characters a villain. The status quo always has to be kind of the same yeah. no matter how far they go it's like how comic books no matter how crazy they get they always return to the status quo it's always got to get back to that point yeah so i don't think that they're gonna ever make at least veronica maybe cheryl but i don't think they're ever gonna make veronica a villain mm-hmm. i agree unless it's like a ooh, she's pretending to be a villain yeah and that's they you know they never do that a lot of shows do that kind of story all the time, where it's like, are they evil? Yeah. Uh, and well, like, Hiram and like, they try to tr- convince their friends that they're evil, but like, nah, the show never goes there. Yeah. Weird. Uh, okay. Do you do we have any rumor mill theories? Honestly, I thought your thing with the cards from last week. I thought that was going to come into play this week because someone was distributing cards. So I'm right. thinking that you're probably right that it will come back. Because we've been hearing a lot about cards and the card stuff, and you don't usually talk about that unless it's important. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I don't really understand the G&G game, and I'm hoping that it wraps up. I We keep thinking that they're closing down the G&G story to go into the cult stuff, and they keep not doing that. Yeah. So I don't know what's happening anymore. I mean, maybe Edgar Evernever, ever never. Is the uh, is a dark book? Is he gonna be in next week's episode? Like we're well, running next, out of time. Isn't next week the musical? Episode? Right, but it's co-sponsored by the, the farm. farm. That's why I think he will be in it. I hope so. Maybe that'll be a reveal at the end or something. Well, there was a last year, last season. Bob, the farm really, or the musical, kicked everything into high gear. So there was the um, the what am I trying to say? Cast list for the people who were in the musical mm-hmm. that was posted. I thought Edgar Ever and Ever was on that list, but I could be wrong. Okay, that could be a thing. Yeah. And it's like, and here we have, and he walks in and was like, oh no, he's hot. Oh, he's hot. <laughs> this is why I was joined the cult. So crazy. Um, we're, we're retiring again, chaperone category, because 
Luke Perry and Fred Andrews are our forever chaperone. He's perfect. He's perfect. Uh, but obviously, Fred would have won this week. Yeah. Hint. So tell me about Robin. I'm just shocked that you've never heard this song. Never heard of, never heard the song. Never heard of her. Haven't we been to like Candy Pop like 900 times? Don't they play it? If they have, I wouldn't know. Call like your at like. Girlfriend. I don't want to sing anymore. It's embarrassing, so I'm not going to. I don't know. What it about this song, head. Dancing on My Own? It's like somebody said you got a new friend. Is that one? It's Dancing it. on my own. Whoa. That is a uh, no. That's um. Or dancing really, by myself. Yeah. Wow. No. They're I don't similar know, concepts. I don't know any of Robin's music. Okay, so those are the two songs I know. So you should listen to them. They're good. They did really fun. Have but you like, seen Girls ever? The show Girls? No, that's not for me. No, but like there's an episode where I think Dancing on My Own is like played and featured prominently. So, but like those are her two songs. What time period is she? Did she get big in? Uh, I think that song Call, Call Your Girlfriend probably came out like five years ago. Oh. Six years ago, maybe. I don't know who this person is. <laughs> I mean, she's not. She's like not a huge, huge, huge. Well, that's not true. It's not that she's not huge, huge, huge. Like, she's not, like, Ariana Grande famous. But she's, like, her two songs are pretty popular. Man, music has never been my strong suit. Though. Music is not my strong suit either. That's why I can only name those two Robin songs. I'm actually going to just, out of curiosity, I'm going to Google some Robin stuff. What is my strong suit is that uh, the only other reference I can find for pop culture connections is that Jughead tells someone to enter the Kraken. Yes. Uh, to fight Archie, which is probably a reference to uh, Clash of the Titans. When Until the Kraken. When they say release the Kraken. Right. Oh, totally. Unless that guy's name was Kraken. The Kraken. Or they referred to the ring as the Kraken, which isn't a thing. Uh, oh, and croquet. Um, Heathers. Cheryl playing croquet is a Heathers reference. Heathers all like to play a croquet, and in the opening uh, scene of the movie, they play croquet and hit croquet balls into Winona Ryder's face. And the other thing is that um, she also, she wears red a lot. and the, Oh, Heather Chandler wears red all the time. Yeah, that's her, She's the red croquet ball. Mm-hmm, yeah. Exactly. Um, I think that show was always kind of sort of modeled after that idea in a lot of ways. Probably. Uh, yeah. Just going back to Robin. So yeah. Dancing on My Own is a 2010 thing. Sig- sig- Single? Single. Oh. So I was wrong. Um, I'm not sure when Call Your Girlfriend came out. Huh. So, but... I feel very uninformed, and yet I've learned something. You've learned something. Um, What else? What else? Sorry, Stella is shaking. Yeah. You definitely have... uh, She's definitely been around. (laughs) But I think Body Talk is the album. I think that's the one... Yeah. Anyway, Robin is a good pop act, and that's all I have to say about it. Okay. What are you looking forward to? What are you talking about right now? What's Ooh, your What's your media? I? What's my media? Well, hmm. well, I saw Us, the Jordan Peele movie. Oh. And it was really good. Yeah. And um, I can't really say too much about it, I guess, because it didn't come out yet, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone. But I will say that if you're expecting it to be the next like a, a if you're expecting it to be like very much like get out i think tonally it's similar but it is a very different movie is it scarier it i found it scarier um i think 
I think it's probably, I think most people would probably find it straight up scarier in like the obvious ways, but get out is so unsettling. Like for me, like that's a big thing that I hear, like the idea that you could not have control over your body, but you could be like in your mind. Yeah. So that always really freaked me out about get out, but I I think it's a pretty good movie. I think you guys will like it. Okay. Yeah. Um, tweet at me when you do see it, because I think it comes out pretty soon. It's this month, I think, yeah. Yeah, if I think it might be next week, if not this week. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it was really good. And then, um, I'm weirdly excited for Avengers Endgame. Yeah, yeah, that was mine. That was uh, yours. Uh, after Captain Marvel, I, I guessed that there would be a new Avengers trailer with her yeah. in it. And lo and behold. Look at there. Yeah, um... I'm amazed by how little they have to do for this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, that trailer is mostly footage from older movies. I thought it was, yeah. Recolored and just be like, it's coming. It's coming. And I'm I, I'm so excited. Well, for the first time, you know I'm not a big Marvel person. <laughs> yeah. But for the first time, I found myself tweeting, not tweeting, texting Dan and being like, this is my theory. Uh-huh. Like, who am I? Right. It is... Some of the theories are bugging me because everyone's making a lot of assumptions that I'm like, you don't know that? Well, what are your theory? What is your theory? Well, like, I think they're going to go to space and do something. I honestly don't know. What but I but I desperately, desperately don't want it to be time travel. Okay. And everyone is assuming it is time travel. And for me, if they, like, turn back the clock and undo all of this, then none of it mattered. Right. And that would really devastate me because if they do something where they bring everyone back but this time where they were all dead still happened then it matters and like we have to recover from that but if it's just like nah it never happened then nothing matters well yeah i just can't really imagine i actually it's funny that you say that about the time travel because i almost feel the opposite i almost feel like if they could just bring somebody back like oh it's fine we'll just bring back with some magical shit or whatever that that would almost matter less because it was like, yeah, they were dead, but now it's okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, But you would still have that trauma of they were dead for, like, however long it takes Black Widow to grow her hair out. And right. <laughs> That's how long. Right. Uh, and, like, that... <laughs> that's so funny. That's scary. It's actually been 15 minutes, and, but and, I was at the salon right. getting extensions. Sorry, it was... <laughs> I do think it's funny that they have the shot where it's like, oh, red's growing back and the blonde's tips of the end, but like Scarlett Johansson's hair is not yeah. naturally crazy. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but I, yeah, I guess we're just on different pages of that. Cause I think, I think you'd still have that trauma of you were dead for a year. I'll never let you leave the house again. Kind of stuff. For the Spider-Man. Although, <laughs> yeah. When you look at that Spider-Man trailer, things are fine. And that's, listen guys, that's after Endgame. Is it after Endgame? It's gotta be. You sure? I believe. They're, right now, they're trying to convince us it's a prequel to mm-hmm. make us not be like, he's obviously coming back, but they're doing another Black Panther. Right. They've been developing a Black Widow movie, uh, although she is alive right now. Yeah. Uh, I think they're, whatever this movie ends with everyone who got dusted coming back. Maybe not Gamora, but like everyone else alive and fighting Thanos together, because that would be so cool. I think uh, Tony Stark is going to be gone forever. You think Tony Stark dies? Or if he's not dead, I he doesn't think get to he doesn't get to make his wedding. 
I think he's going to hang up the suit if he did comes back. I I think this is probably the last time we get either Iron Man or Captain America. And I think Thor is gone too. Unless like in a while they're like special, like they're back. Yeah, I think I, I think it's really they're retiring the old hat and they're going to bring back. Right. And I think yeah. they're gonna. I, yeah, I agree. And they're probably gonna position like Captain Marvel and Black Panther as like the two new big leads of the MCU. And I also think that I actually think Brie Larson's not gonna be Captain Marvel for that, for that long. Really? I think that's gonna be because think about the time. So um, was it Maria Rambo? Right? Is that? Yeah. That's her friend. Her yeah. daughter's name is Monica. Yeah. And that is Captain Marvel. Yeah. How do you know that? It's weird that I know that. So, yeah, Monica was Captain Marvel before Carol mm-hmm. Danvers was in the comics, but she's Photon in the comics now. Yeah. And Carol Danvers is Captain Marvel in the comics, so I disagree. So you think she's going to be Photon? I think she's going to be Photon, but I do think Phase 4 is going to start building up new younger heroes. Yeah. So, like, Hawkeye's training a little girl, and she might be one of my favorite characters, Kate Bishop. In that trailer, uh, they might do. Uh, they might get to Miles Morales, Spider Man at some point in these movies. Uh, Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan could become a thing. I don't know what Shang Chi is gonna be, but that's like a martial arts Marvel movie coming out in the future. Weirdly, I got really excited at seeing them all walking in a team uniform. Yeah, that's very exciting. Uh, and I love a good shirt. I'm I'm frustrated that they don't show Captain Marvel talk at all in that trailer because maybe she's a scroll. What? <laughs> Who said that? Why would? Uh, no, I don't believe that for a That's second. That's fine. Maybe she's a scroll. Who said that? Not me. I didn't think of that. I didn't think that she was maybe just a copy of herself and that the evil scroll person is going to take over the world and take over Captain Marvel's image until halfway through the movie when they find the real Captain Marvel. I just, I don't know why that would be the I'm case. I'm really excited for this movie. I don't know why. I'm going to see it like a I, And I'm so curious as to what they're going to do afterwards because mm-hmm. Thanos really is, in the comics, the biggest villain they've ever had. And... Options past him are like, there's maybe two guys it could be. Mm-hmm. A time traveler called Kang the Conqueror, which if they do do a time travel thing... Would make sense. Heh, <laughs> do-do. It, it could, it could <laughs> easily be like his way in. Cool. But man, you guys got to earn that time travel if you're going to do it. And the other thing would be Galactus, who is a Fantastic Four villain. Which is weird and complicated. Which would be weird, but we did just get those rights. Okay. We. 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 It's like we're on a baseball team. I hate. I do, the Disney Fox merger is bad. Uh, just just putting that out oh, there. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. Like overall for entertainment and everything. Less they also competition us, is so bad. <laughs> yeah, they own us too. Um, no, wait, we're WB, right? I guess. Uh, <laughs> no, that we're in the it WB makes Fox. me so happy that you're excited for this movie. I'm really excited. I wouldn't have expected that. I am that. really excited. You know, I didn't even, like, love, love, love Captain Marvel, and I'm still excited. Captain Marvel was a movie where, like, the first time I saw it, I was like, this is pretty good, but, I, but like, I have issues with X, Y, and Z. And then I saw it a second time, and the whole time I was watching, I was like, oh, I like this scene. Yeah. Oh, I like this scene. It was scene. a fun movie. Oh, I like this scene. And I was like, oh, no, I just like this whole movie, and now I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. See, I really loved it. I loved Infinity War, right? That was the last... The one I described time. to you in the car? Yeah. I loved that one, actually, when I saw it. I think I saw it... This, when I just when you described it to me in the car, was that before or after I ended up seeing it? It was before. Yeah. I spoiled it for you. No, but it's okay. I figured. 
Um, I had spoiled it, like, by myself, but I needed, like, a personal touch to explain it to me. So, yeah. It's a long episode of ours. Well, we just spent about ten minutes talking about Avengers. Yeah. If you guys don't like that, maybe just I mean, get back I, that time. I could do that for eight hours. So. We could do a whole other podcast. We're not. I I mean, I god dang, on my blog, I've just been writing a whole thing, like a Marvel marketing thing. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Cool. I'm working on part two. Yeah. Just like the Avengers are. Just, just, like, just like the Avengers are. Exactly. Three parts. You're basically the Avengers. Oh, uh, God. I want to get all three out by the time Endgame comes out. I thought it was a very interesting, insightful look, John. You can also catch me on Twitter, at John Patton. And that blog is Catching the Rye, where Rye is spelled W-R-Y. Hey, Caitlin, where can they find you? Good pun. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Riley Tweets. That's R-E-I-L-Y Tweets. You can find my very loud dog, Stella, at Stella the Mystery Pup on Instagram. But you got to watch the videos if you want to get the loudness. Yes. Exactly. What? Yeah. So next week uh, is the musical episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Way cool. Hashtag way lit, fam. Cool. Cool. Um, what do I do now? Over and out, River Vixens. Nailed it. <laughs>